The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. and fellow travelers of the world. Greetings from Lovecraft Country, a PapiChuloRadio.com original series. PapiChulo Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Tuesday, September 1st, 2020, and I am your host and tour guide, Derek Anthony. As we travel through Lovecraft Country, we're going to explore and dissect the latest episode of the HBO series. Please welcome my co-host, Jeffrey Aruz. Get the fuck out of my house. Welcome, everyone. Priscilla Rocha. Damn, now I wish I'd remembered the chant. But hey, everybody. And Vanetta Berry. Hey, y'all. How you doing? Let me open the guidebook so that we can explore season one, episode three, which was titled Holy Ghost and aired August 30th, 2020. Here's the official travel diary of our itinerary. Three weeks after George's funeral, Letty uses an unexpected inheritance from her deceased mother to buy a dilapidated Victorian mansion in an all-white neighborhood on Chicago's north side. Outside, their white neighbors harass their new neighbor, while inside the house, supernatural activity flares up. All righty. What was everyone's initial reaction to the episode? Let's go with Jeffrey first. Oh, my God. Uh, I think we have uh, a a new favorite episode of uh, the season. It was so good from beginning to end. It was it was just it was so good. It was well acted. Apparently, we can request to be first three MVP. So if you would like to consider me for being first for the MVP, I, I bow to you, our moderator. Um, but man, it was just—it was so good. It was so good. And there, well, I, I said this two episodes ago during our premiere, which discussed the premiere of the series. Uh, I did read the synopses of like the various stories that are in the actual book, and there were some changes. There were some interesting changes that, if you would like for me to sort of um, expand on that at some point, Derek. We can go into it. It's non-spoilery stuff, but very interesting changes that they did with this story, which I thought um, really allowed them to explore things a little bit more. And uh, who knew our girl could go from zero to Karen in a moment? (laughs) Technically, it's Priscilla's girl, because that was uh, Priscilla's MVP last week. But who knew she could go from zero to Karen? True, true. And always like a, you know, non-spoilery conversation. Yes. Uh, Priscilla, what did you think of the episode? Man, this gave me all my 13 Ghosts vibes. Like, it was just 
perfect, like a haunting. It was just, oh, I loved this episode. I completely co-signed with Jeffrey. Like, this is like the new top favorite episode. I think it was better than the pilot. I just love the pacing of the entire like episode. I just loved the nuances of like character development that we got in between all of like the haunting stuff that that happened in the house and oh, the 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 interspersing like actions between Letty and her sister. Like at first, I thought you were fucked up. I thought you fucked up, but no, you're just fucked up. And I was like, oh my god, that's fucking beautiful. Oh, great. I loved it. All right. And Renata, what did you think? Um, I had a not-so-great reaction. This, movie, this um, episode scared the shit out of me um, for a lot of different reasons. I lived in a haunted space. Um, on the north side of Chicago when I was in college. And um, I was the RA, so I always had to go to the basement to turn on and turn off the boiler. So that scene, which may have been like a nothing scene to most people, triggered me majorly. And um, yeah, I was just losing it. And my kids walked in while I was watching it. And um they scared the shit out of me and I screamed and <laughs> they were like, mom, we're sorry. We were just asking if we could go do such and such. And I'm like, don't sneak up on me. It, uh, it had me in a lot of feels. Um, yeah. So that's where I am with it. I can't say it's my favorite. It, I don't like being that scared. And I don't know if it's a combination of all of that that got me. But it definitely was um, memorable. Okay. Um, I'm going to say this to you. I don't know what it is about the north side of Chicago because I, too, had some haunted space incidents that happened on the north side of Chicago. Um, Not as bad as that, but yeah. So, um, for me, this was a wonderful episode um, for one really big reason, uh, and it was because it was educational for me. It this there's a part of this episode that is mentioned that we'll get into later that really truly hit home for me, and we will go into that uh, later on. But first. Before we start our journey through Lovecraft Country, here's our announcer with a few special announcements. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for Greetings from Lovecraft Country and subscribe. All right. Um... Let's 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 dive deep into some of the themes from last night or from the other night. Um, okay, let's do let's do some fun stuff first. 
So Atticus and Letitia in the bathroom with the candle holder. No, there was no candle holder. Candlestick? Uh, Are you trying to do a clue? Candlestick, yes. Well, actually, I mean, you know, how you look at it. Well, yeah. There could have been a candle holder involved. There was something involved. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if if I were her. I don't know if I would have been so open to it. I know it's been a month since they were at the mansion, but I'd still be like first investigating to make sure there wasn't a snake there. But, um, (laughs) and maybe she enjoyed that snake. Um, when I thought it was really, um, touching and then also really awkward because he literally went from zero to 100 in zero time flat without there being much of a communication about it you know and then yeah. he went right back to there not being like he he is super awkward around her even though they've been through all this stuff that you would think would help them be more comfortable with each other because they they can be each other's solace, but mm-hmm. he's even more awkward and, and distant from her. So I thought that um, his response after was kind of like an amplification of that awkwardness. His response in dealing with her after or immediately after? Immediately she... after. Okay. Oh, okay. Like he, he's like, uh, eh, okay, zip up and walks out. Priscilla, what did you think about the the hookup. <laughs> it's HBO. It had to happen <laughs> at some point. Like, goddamn. Like, I was appreciating them being like friends for a while and like uh-huh. have them like romantically get involved was just kind of like, oh, okay. I know what you guys are leading towards. And so HBO had to do what it had to do and it had to show a little bit of butt and it had to show a little bit of tit. It had to just go and do what it had to do, and I would tell you, I'm not I'm real upset about them showing a little butt. <laughs> it's a nice butt. All right, I got a lot of opinions on this. So first up, I did like that there was time in between because, as I mentioned last time, when all of a sudden we were seeing them have sex, it felt like it came out of nowhere. And although it still felt like it came out of nowhere, at least there was a little bit of time, and we got more hints in this episode that Atticus was interested. We didn't really get that in the previous episodes. Like, maybe we might have seen a glance here and there, but we clearly saw, like, Letty um, expressing interest. Uh, a little bit more, even though it was subtle, it was a little bit more overt than mm-hmm. Atticus. So the fact that time had passed, the fact that we actually got a couple of scenes where you know there were a couple more subtle looks, and especially from Atticus, it made it believable. So there was that. Number two, to, to echo Vanetta, what Vanetta was saying, I think there's a whole lot of trauma that Atticus has gone through that we do not know about. And it might have to deal with the lady from South Korea. It might have to do with some other stuff. So I think a lot of how Atticus reacts to Letty will be explained in the future. That's just my opinion on him because he does he does not seem to know how to properly react to stuff and so i think it has to deal with uh, 
trauma in his past. So there's that. Number three. All right. When it was happening, uh, and then we saw the blood, I was like, oh, she's a virgin. And then I felt bad for her because I was like, oh, she's a virgin. And then she covered it up and she was like, oh, it's the time of the month. And I thought that was interesting because uh, on another show that I have not watched yet, but I want to binge it one day just because um, I know it's hella intense. Uh, it's from Michaela Cole, I May Destroy You. I, I saw her in an you. interview. Oh my God, it was so good. Yes, I, I saw an interview with her on Trevor Noah on The Daily Show. Daily Social Distance show. And uh, she he asked her specifically about, because there was a storyline that they included about her on her period and having sex in the study. And you don't really see that on TV. And so then I thought, what's the coincidence of two shows on HBO having characters be on their period and having sex? I, I, thought, I just thought it was interesting. But then we saw the look on her face. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. no. She was a virgin. And I'm glad they had the conversation. I did feel a little bad for her because, I mean, your first time is never how you sort of romanticize it in your head. But I felt like it was just, it it wasn't the ideal first time for her. And so I I felt a little bad for her because of that. Although she did say that she needed it. Um, It's interesting because her character seems very sexually free. And and we we saw that a lot in the first two episodes, at least, you know, just the way that she carries herself. She seems like she's a very sexually confident person, but she was a virgin. So it, it makes her just ever more interesting for me. Um, it, it was, uh, it sort of felt bad for her just because, I mean, it went from like zero to rough sex, very intense sex. And, and I mean, she was a virgin. So, I mean, I'm sure she had her you know, her thoughts in her mind of how she wanted her first time to be, but at least she consented. They both consented. And so they had both consensual intense sex in the bathroom. Who hasn't had sex at the ba- in the bathroom at a party before though? Obviously she hadn't. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed that scene for this reason and this reason alone. It is rare that we we often see men who have sex because they're going through something and they need that release or whatever. It is rare that we get to see women, especially women of color, owning their sexuality, owning their needs and desires. Because, um, you know, again, Tisha is dealing with the fact that she was dead, and now she's not. And I think that with everything else going on with George and stuff, she hasn't really processed. I think she. I think this has been her time of trying to process and get her foot back into life. So I think that's what that whole conversation was about at the table later on. That I, you know, I died, and I have been reaching for people. I have been reaching for things, this house, my sister, things, something that will allow me back into life. Can we talk about Ruby? I'm sorry, talk about who? Ruby. Her sure. sister. Yes. Ruby, yes. Oh, I was definitely bringing that up. But sure, let's 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 go let's go to Ruby. And um, I have so many feels because she's not on board with the house in the first place. Mm. Um, 
then, you know, they're working and the people are, are giving them all this pushback and she's, you know, she realizes that this money uh, supposedly came from her mother and now she's she's pissed about it. I felt like her reaction was not to Letty, it was to her mother, but since her mother's not there, she reacted to Letty. And I really didn't think that Letty's involved, involving her and creating this, you know, space was not self-serving. I felt like it was about the community and she really made her feel shitty about doing this thing. And yes, yeah, she probably shouldn't have beat the the cars and stuff and did the property damage. But not once did Ruby express concern for how beat up she was when she came back from the police station. Right. You just mad because now we got a target on our back. You already had a target on your back. You're brown. Like, that was already the case. And I think it was more that she felt more comfortable on the South Side, which she should have just owned. Instead, I felt like it was a little bit of a manipulation of her um, making Letty feel bad yet again. And I'm glad that Letty stood up to her and, you know, let her walk out. I, I felt like it was very frustrating, that aspect. Because I really was hoping that this would be a way to unite them in a common um, purpose, no matter where the money came from. You know, money and families and who leaves who to home is always a very tricky, tricky thing. Um, I think that I, I think that part of what Ruby said was accurate, a very small part, and it was when she said, um, "You know, you bought this house because you wanted to, you know, have people live here, but the I don't as a, as for the community, but I only see your friends moving in here." Um, I didn't see anything wrong with that though, like as if her well, friends I, couldn't be the community because. It's not that there was anything wrong with it, but did you open it up or were you just specific to your friends? You know what I'm saying? Um, not really, because I, I guess I identify very closely with Letty. Okay. And I have this, like, to me, my community is my community. My community could be strangers in need of help or friends in need of help, but people in need of help are still community. So in my head, when Ruby is having this conversation with Letty, I'm like, "Why? what do you have against my friend? If I didn't open it up to quote unquote friends and family, you wouldn't be here either. You know, mm. like it's kind of self-serving for her to, to put it like that because she knows that that's it. It's going to have a reaction from her. And it did, you know, people were already leaving, but when, when she re-upped to get people to move back, she it was more families. So that was already the case. But, you know, those people were leaving anyway. That didn't need to be said. It was intentionally a pain point. Okay. Well, in bringing up um, Letty's pioneering, I'm going to go to the opening part where um, the boys first arrive outside with the cars and the horn. And Ruby says... Here we go. This is Trumbull Park all over again. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you why this struck me the way it did. 
Trumbull Park is very near and dear to me personally. Trumbull Park is in the South Daring neighborhood on the south side of Chicago, which is the neighborhood I grew up in. Trumbull Park is on 103rd, and I grew up on 98th Street. I learned how to swim at the public park in Trumbull Park. And I always wondered why there were not more swimming pools at the other park. So when I went and did the research on what Ruby meant by that, I discovered that um, Trumbull Park, they didn't open up to allow Black people to live there officially until, I'm sorry, yeah, South Daring didn't open up and become integrated until 1965. My grandmother bought the house there in 1967. So she was one of the first Black people to live in that neighborhood. This was a story she never told me. I wish she had. And I remember growing up, I remember not many Black families living on our block because I think both of our neighbors on both sides of us were white when I was a kid. And then slowly the neighborhood changed and it became all Black. So anyway, that was the part I was talking about earlier. This was the the part that was really educational for me um, because, again, there was a history about, about me essentially, that I never knew about. I think that's one of the interesting things about this series is the woven history into the fiction. So people are learning about areas that, like you, areas that you grew up in. Um, You know, so many people were learning about sundown towns with the first episode. And I think that this aspect of storytelling is so crucial especially now because people just don't know um the uh when i did the research they were saying that there were riots race riots um and not like what we when we say race riots now people think oh you know people are you know black people out there destroying stuff Mm -hmm. well back then when they said race riots what they meant was white folks literally rioting because some black people were where they shouldn't have been and destroying property and everything. Ironically, those people, you know, were not villainized like what's happening now. No, they Um, were just trying to protect their neighborhood. Absolutely. And um, it's just really so apropos right now. I'm I'm appreciative of, of the story for that. Was anybody else impressed with the sign? Oh, they were ready for that. They were so professionally done. Professionally done, ready to go. I wish they had said what neighborhood this was in. Um, Because, unfortunately, still now, the north side of Chicago has the highest population of white people in the city outside of downtown Chicago. I lived in the Gold Coast, um, and I was, (laughs) this was in the late 90s, early 2000s. I lived in the Gold Coast right as Cabrini Green was being gentrified. Shut down. So it was still there. Okay. But it was being shut down. 
And, but I didn't live in Cabrini Green. I didn't live on that side of Clark and Division. I lived on the other side near the lake, which is considered the white side. And yes. I would be walking with my little self on 5-2 and, um, you know, bundled up because it's cold. And I would see old white women, like, pull their purses and, like, give me a, 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 an, an evil eye. And I was like, Really? And then one lady was like, um, where are you going? I was like, home? Where are you going? Um, you don't live over here. Yes, I do. This is my neighborhood. You know, like having that, that having to justify my existence mm-hmm. in what she considered her neighborhood um, was so problematic. It's crazy. Absolutely. Yeah, I yeah, the Gold Coast, and I don't, I don't hang out in the Gold Coast much if, if I can help it, for reasons like that. I had um, no idea. I just moved here. <laughs> just like, oh, it was so crazy, but oh well, it was. Okay. it was what it was. It was indeed. Um, okay, I have a question. I have a very big question because it was one of the themes that kept throughout the episode. Hippolyta. Oh, yes. <laughs> Wait, no, but what about her? Because I have my own there's, thing about her. Because there's a couple things. No, no, no. Because there's a couple things going on with her. So, does she know that Atticus is George's son? Um, and the room that they, sh- the, the room that opened up for her in the house, is that what put her on this path of Y'all not telling me everything you know. I know she said, I, I know she told Montrose that this was, that she sensed that the tick was holding something back. But what we don't know what happened to her in that room yet. We will find out at some point because everything this show does, it does for a reason. But as of right now, we have no idea what happened to her in that room. So, yeah. okay, Jeffrey, go ahead. Okay. First off, the room. The room is was a teaser of what's to come. I'm not going to say anything ex- except the fact that there is a section of the actual Lovecraft Country book that's called Hippolyta Disturbs the Universe. I'm just going to say that, and I won't say anything else. So she has her own thing that's going to happen to her. And so that, the, the, the room with, I believe that's called an ore. Ore, O-R-R-E-Y, which is um, the planets and and, and that sort of thing. Um, The room with the Ore has to deal with that. Although from what I read about Hippolyta Disturbs the Universe, I didn't read an Ore. Um, So so maybe that might be how they're introducing that element. Um, I feel like because there is a section in the book called that, that she's going to have an entire episode with her journey, which should be hella fascinating. So that's all I'm going to say. Um, if you're at all curious, I'm going to assume it's going to happen two episodes from now because it seems to be going in the order of the book. And next week's episode is clearly the next book. And, and Hippolyta is right after that. So you won't have to wait for too long. Um, oddly enough, this episode is was called Dreams of the Witch House, which is inspired by a Lovecraft story called Dreams in the Witch House. Uh, there was this television series many years ago on Showtime called Masters of Horror. Um, I know Vanetta didn't see it, but I don't know if any if I, you two saw it outside of Vanetta. I, 
Okay. They actually had an episode called Dreams in the Witch House, which was interesting, which I saw. Um, so seeing them incorporate uh, just the, the concept of a haunted house w was interesting. Um, I'm getting off of Hippolyta for a moment, but um, check out Masters of Horror listeners if you want to see some spooky stuff. It's an anthology series, so every episode is different. That also means, because it's an anthology series, some episodes are really good, some episodes are just okay, and some episodes are meh. Um, so it, it's sort of a pick your poison type of thing, but Hippolyta, Hippolyta. All right. When she started like tearing the books, tearing the pages from the Dracula book, uh, AKA mm. George's favorite book, I was like, okay, she's mad and she's trying, she can't clearly bitch at, uh, George. So she's going to bitch at something that he loves, you know? Mm-hmm. He's not there, so she's going to take out her anger on his most prized possession, his most favorite book. And I was like, okay. And then she got pissed that Tick, you know, didn't do the cups right, and this, that, or the other. And I'm like, okay, she's very mad about what happened to her husband, and she's not buying the story. Now, do I know if she knows? That's something I don't know. I haven't figured it out myself, because I rewatched the scene... Where she's talking about, like, oh, you know, he's just like him, and this, that, or the other. And I'm like, do you know? Do you know? <laughs> she didn't give me any clues, so it would be pure speculation. Um, and I'm not ready to speculate that yet. I'll let uh, one of you speculate. I can't speculate. But it was, it was hella interesting. And she For knows sure. there's way more. And so I'll just say that she knows. She's not buying the story at all. I think, well, besides the fact that she's not buying the story, I think she knows. I that whole like arc where she where she's like where she where she, where she's comparing him and George, and she's like, but he's not George when he doesn't put the cups down. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just it reminds me of somebody like comparing father and son. So for some reason, I think she knows. Okay. Vanetta? Um, I don't know. I think that um, I don't understand what her aim is. So it feels like she is um, I can't tell whether it's just grief or not. And like Macho said, well, what do you like, what do you want me to say? I told you what happened. And then um, she was like, it's something that y'all not telling me. And Macho was like, there's just nothing that would make, I, I forgot what he said exactly, but he basically was like, there's like, we've told you all we can, like, there's nothing else. I think that she would be like that regardless, whether he had died of supernatural causes or not, you know? <laughs> you think she's just and, looking for answers to yes. why her husband is dead, why and, her husband is dead and the rest of y'all not. Absolutely. And I think that that's what she is picking up on. And then they also have survivor's guilt. Oh, most definitely. And remember the reason, the circumstances under which he's um, shot was tick. You get to choose which of your, um, which is the next person that dies for you, right? Yeah. And then um, he doesn't say anything, and then he shoots um, Uncle George. George. And so then, um, and then he promises he would bring him back after the ceremony and he doesn't because he kills them during the ceremony so that's also an incredible amount of guilt 
for um, for Tick to to endure, and he wants to make it better. And and even if they substituted that the cop did those things, it still doesn't absolve him from the guilt that he feels, which is what he is transmitting to her. And that's what she's picking up on. I don't think that uh, she knows okay. all of the other stuff. I think that that's what she's picking up on. They all have that survivor's guilt. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a great deal of sense. All right. Let's go to the big moment of the of the evening. Letitia fucking Lewis mm-hmm. and the burning cross. My God. Like, I... I I didn't want to go for it just because I was like amazed at what she did. Just I don't know, like to like, have the bravery to just kind of like go outside and just like start smashing the car windows and start getting rid of the honking horns and just park the cars wherever. Just my God, Letty's got some balls. I think so. I think also I was kind of impressed that um, Letty goes and gets the bat. Tick goes, mm-hmm. y'all go get some guns and they just stand there and watch her do it because they know that she's doing it but they're gonna they're gonna protect her and mm-hmm. I thought that, that was like so amazing they didn't try and stop her they were just like y'all get some weapons and just in case and everybody knew what to do to protect each other that you know, was like, the thing that impressed me above everything else as, as upset as Ruby was she went and got the car and there was no conversation needed on what to do. Yeah, I thought that was really, that was really amazing. All right. The scene was everything. I mean, first off, her bashing racist win- car windows, is, like the car windows of racist people with a baseball bat in a cocktail dress. I mean, spectacular. With Pardon? With Timmy's. I know, spectacular. She, oh my God, she was just, it was so good. It was a beautifully done scene. The look on the white people's faces. I mean, in essence, what they were doing with the honking, I mean, I mean, they, they wanted them to react. Mm-hmm. So in essence, she is giving in to what they want, but still the look of on their face on like, they didn't expect her to react that way, I would assume, because they, they look shocketed um but clearly they wanted uh they wanted uh, the house to react so that the police could be called now in a weird way it was almost good that she ended up doing that because she got a lot of exposition even though it was yes. in a really bad and dangerous way um because i mean she could have died but she got a whole bunch of vital information that she needed so it was it's like a double edged sword. But she looked amazing doing it. I don't even think anybody at the party knew she was gonna do it. It was just it was one of those like it was it was the point where the point of no return. She had just fucking had it. We came we came north to stop all this cross on the lawn. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I I got all of that. I got all of that. Um, it was the same white kids, right? The ones that like later get their comeuppance. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. They, you know, they, they, they often just let the, you know, they wound the kids up and let them do what they did. 
And again, we get more and more examples of we're just minding our own business. Why can't you? Mm-hmm. So does anybody think the cop is in on the whole Sons of Adam thing? No. I thought about it um, later, but when she did her research, then that, that made me go, nah, I don't think he is. But, uh, you know, this this show is so full of surprises. He might be. I think he's benefiting from it by getting, like, those accolades and stuff. But I don't think he's necessarily part of it. You don't think it's a direct? Okay. Yeah. No, I don't think so. I, I think he's connected to um, the the doctor. And, like, he knows that. I don't think he knows the sense of Adam. Okay. Um, did anybody else notice how much baseball bats are prevalent in this particular story? I think we've seen a baseball bat in every episode. Um, but they came out in full force in this one. Yes. We even got the backstory behind the Jackie Robinson in his dream. Yes, we did. That was really cool. Yes. I mean, that's something when you've been told a story so many times that you can picture it yourself. All right. That'll this be is... a really good um, discovery when we get the the full... I, I have a feeling that they're going to eventually reveal who that person was. The alien or the person, that, oh, the person that came out with the baseball? I get, the I think person we're going... who saved the father. Yes. I think we're going to... I have a theory. I have a theory, but I don't want to say it right now. But I have a theory of who it is. Hmm. Um, but it's somebody we've met. I could be completely hmm. wrong. I don't know anything. I haven't read any books, anything like that. Just kind of how this works. I have a theory on who it is. Um, but then I particularly, after something you said on one of the other shows that we do, I particularly wanted your take on the last part of the story of the haunted house, the part where they bring the medium in. Um, I was laughing at Tick's response to her. And I love how Letty is like, look, my mom may have been a, 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 a swindler or whatever, but she did her research. And so the idea that I may not, this not, may not be something that I'm completely 100% comfortable with or even knowledgeable about, but I believe that this person is knowledgeable. And she was, she was, she mm. was on her stuff. And, um, and yeah, I thought that was really cool. So you, because um, I know you, I, I know you, I know you have studied a lot of, I don't even know how to pronounce. I don't even know how to say it in the tense. It's, it, I was it's gonna a, say voodoo, voidism. Well, is that it? No, it's um. So African spirituality manifests itself in the diaspora in a lot of different ways, and okay. it all kind of culminates in a couple of different um ways of being alike. So she called them the Orisha. So my guess would be that either she was practicing some type of Ifa or Yoruba or um, Vudan, um, Santeria, all of those are connected by 
ways in which Africans who came to the Americas via the slave trade trying to get their practices back. And one of the things that they do is they call on the elements and the ancestors to help spirits. And so you, um, they use different forms of sacrifice to help call that energy to okay. a space. And so that's where you see the goat um, and her blessing the space and then um, putting the mark on themselves was a way of protection. And I loved how in the middle of the um, uh, ceremony and the sprinklers come on and she screamed, uh, Letty screams like our marks. And mm-hmm. that's exactly what they were you know, trying to be protected from. And I loved how the white boys come in to cause havoc and they become victims of the house because had they stayed their asses out because it wasn't their house, <laughs> they wouldn't have gone missing <laughs> because it's like there, there's so much power and forces happening that we just don't know about. Right. And so I don't know, I can't tell how much of what happened to them was a, was just the spirit stuff or was it also Christina Braithwaite? Right, because we we see her at the end that she's been doing some manipulations. We know that she has a lot of different powers. We don't really know yeah. what they all are, and um, and so there's just a lot going on um, sensory wise that I think um, make this this episode have a lot of heavy textures. I was going to, I was wondering, and I was going to ask, and I was going to ask uh, Priscilla this question: How many? different, I don't want to say entities, energy, do you think are going on in that house at the end of the story? At the end of the story? Like after they get rid of the... No, when they bring the, when they bring the priestess in. Oh, when they bring, when they bring the, the Yorba in and the white boys sneak into the house. How many energies do you think are... Because I'm counting the, I'm counting the black people that have been killed in the house as one energy. Okay, so that okay. means those eight are one energy. And those eight, I'm counting them as one, right. And then that means that the one energy of the the white man who put them all there is another right. energy. That's two. Yes. Yeah, that should, that, that, that's just two energies. Do you think the Wrong. house has its own thing going on? Wrong. Um, I'm sorry, Jeffrey. What you say? Oh, I said wrong. Oh, why? Well, I asked her what her opinion was. Oh, okay. Why you tell her, her opinion is wrong. It's wrong. Priscilla, you're wrong. No, no, no. But I want to hear what Priscilla has to say, <laughs> like, so I can tell her why she's wrong. No, I'm just like trying to do the math here. Like, what, what, where's this other energy coming from? Then is it just the house that's been haunted by so by so many spirits that it's formed an entity of itself? Because like, I thought it was, I, I thought it was three. I think it's three too, but I want to hear why you think it's three. But uh, but with um, what Vanetta said, it could actually be four. Oh, see, I don't know where the four is coming from. The daughter. Oh, okay. See, I'm not even counting her. 
See, I'm not counting her. Um, I think it's three because there was a ghost in the elevator. Did y'all miss that? See, I don't think there's a ghost in the elevator. I think that's the house. Well, no, it's uh, Horatio Winthrop. So there is a ghost in the elevator. Well, thanks for ruining it. No, because they mentioned thanks his name throughout the whole thing as the owner. So it has to I be him. That. That's not me it ruining it. It doesn't have to be him. I think it's him. It's the original oh. owner of the house. That's what I think. That didn't ruin anything. That's just me giving an opinion based on the information that we got in the episode. I'm just saying. Yeah, I think because we saw a ghost in the elevator after that stupid man got decapitated. And we saw the other ghosts. They were getting already getting called at that moment. So I think that's the OG owner. That's just my opinion. Yes. Well, I thought... Go ahead. No, no, no. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah. Uh, what did you think? You think the house has its own entity? Well, I think the house has its own entity. It could be Horatio. I'm not sure. Um, there, because apparently there's been a whole lot of death in the roots of that house. So like the murder or house on American Horror Story, in essence, is what you're saying. Okay, that's interesting. You could be right. But, I still think Horatio's in the deal. mix. Here's the, here's the interesting thing, and this is why I think it's Christina. Because at the end, we see um, the interviewers asking Letty if, like, you know, how she, you know, had gone about moving into this neighborhood and how, you know, all the different things. And then she says, yeah, well, you know, do you know about the neighbors? Um, there's three missing white boys. And she's like, no, I hadn't heard anything about it. So that means that at some point they come up from the um, the ceremony, you know, after it's all said and done and um, they don't notice bodies in the house so i'm thinking that's weird and then right. we see the bodies like at the base of the the uh elevator and we don't even notice that that is an an option until this this point and so yeah i can definitely understand that there might be a, an additional entity but i i really thought about it from the standpoint of it being um christina because a, a physical a physical entity would have to lift those bodies and move them. Depends on what the rules of the ghosts yeah. are. Yeah, because because remember the the Yorba priestess, she got moved around a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, without a physical body moving her. And also, if Winthrop was fiddling with different aspects of that book that they've been talking about. Um, it's quite possible that he doesn't have to follow ghost rules as much because maybe he's not a ghost. Maybe he's something else. Oh, that's interesting. I like that maybe theory. Perfected the spirit of immortality. And yeah. I like that theory. Um, I didn't think of Christina. Uh, I just, because I saw the shadow, I, I just, in my mind, I was like, okay, it's Winthrop. Uh, I don't know why Winthrop is dragging the bodies down there. Clearly, um, he's been dragging bodies for a long time. So uh, maybe it has to deal with a ritual or something. I loved the glyphs that we saw as it went down. Because yeah. I'm like, okay, so they're going to explain that at some point, clearly. Well, those are the glyphs of the Sons of Adam. Those are the similar mm-hmm. glyphs that were on uh, Articus's door when they were at the mansion. They oh, okay. Out. Oh, good. Good eye. 
Um, so I thought all of that was interesting. You gotta watch. You guys gotta go back and watch all the episodes before before you watch the new episode. I know, right? I feel like I'm gonna have to start doing that, like for real, real. But um, Christina clearly is involved. How involved? I don't know. She definitely wanted her to buy that house. I mean, she made up yeah. a realtor uh, specifically, or not a realtor. Well, he would have been. Um, I guess he would have been a, he, just a lawyer. Uh, you know, because you have to give the uh, inheritance and then, you know, you have to sell the house. So clearly she she did it. She set it all up so that she would yeah. get the house. Um, that was interesting. Uh, something that I haven't mentioned yet uh, that is fascinating about Christina is in the book, she's male. Her name is Caleb. Oh. Yes. And I haven't read the book once again. I've just read the the summaries of the chapters and having Christina be female on the show for me makes more sense as to why maybe she betrayed her father or maybe she's trying to help. It, it just, it, it makes more sense that she's female. I, I'm really surprised that her name is Caleb in the book. So um, this is a change that I like. I I'm glad that they that they made uh, the Braithwaite uh, child uh, female because it, it I think it adds layers to the character and it makes her really interesting, especially because of the the time period. Um, can I go into a couple of the changes from the book? Sure, sure. But let me just say, okay, yes, um, JJ is a licensed realist. So we don't know how they set up the inheritance portion of it, but he had been hired to play a, a real, a realist is a real estate agent. That's what they call real estate agents. Oh, okay. Colored people needed real estate agents too. Okay. So, okay. So she, well, Christina then did even more machinations to the, cause she would have to get a lawyer to like let her know about the inheritance and all that kind of stuff. So it was a big old to do just to get Letty to buy that particular house. Yeah. Okay. So changes from the book. Now, once again, I'm only going by the summaries. So I, if, if, if some there are other changes or other correlations, I don't know. And this is going to be spoiler-free. So um, there's there's one little thing that I will save just in case it ends up happening on the show. So I won't mention that. But what's interesting about the series is they split up a character. Because in the book, um, there is a... There is no... Um, Horatio Winthrop, and there is no Hiram Epstein. There is, okay. there is though, a Hiram Winthrop. So they they create they split the character. You know they took you know a piece of the name for one and a piece of the name for the other, but they allowed them to expand a storyline because what was fascinating and and we haven't even touched this, but the fact that we have. Uh, Hiram Epstein being this sort of mad scientist that's uh, mutilating and experimenting on black bodies for his pleasure. I mean, it's stuff that actually happened. 
You know, we had black people get mutilated so that they can become these sideshow characters, you know, on, on traveling circuses and that kind of stuff. We had scientists, white scientists, I should say, experimenting on black bodies for whatever curiosity they wanted to. I mean, what is, um, it wasn't just curiosity. Some I, of it was to advance I, science. I, I, I Henrietta, I, Henrietta, I, Henrietta Lack, uh, Tuskegee Airmen. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, either one of the women on here, I'm not sure if either one of them is aware of, I mean, I know they both see OBGYN. Yeah, they used a, a lot of um, black bodies to quote unquote understand the female body, but they wouldn't they wouldn't use any type of um, anesthesia because they assumed that black women uh, pain tolerance is higher. And so um, it was a it was a really big deal. Part of the um, taking down of the statues was um, a few of like there was a one doctor in particular. Um, who they wanted to have that statue taken down because of that type of work. But those types of um, researches um, have permeated the health field to the point that um, Black women are not believed when um, expressing pain, especially during childbirth. And so we have the highest rate of death during delivery and also after post-mortem so like after you deliver you're supposed to go for a six-week checkup so many black women go for their six-week checkup and they're having all these issues and the doctors just don't believe them they think that they're exaggerating or they're seeking some type of pain medication it's just all this stuff and it all stems back from these experiments that are done on black bodies um and this um bias that doctors have that Black people don't experience pain the same way that other people do. Which is the point that I, that I was making. The, the fact that it doesn't seem like this was in the book. So it seems like they expanded the story by splitting the character up. And, uh, and, it, and it showed us this you know, horrible history of white doctors, scientists, health professionals experimenting on black bodies, whether it is for entertainment, you know, as in putting them in, in, in a sideshow type of thing, or for science. Um, it, it, so it's interesting that they did that, um, based off of, uh, you know, in, in the book, it, it, it ends differently. There isn't really an exorcism. Um, in essence, Letty sort of makes peace with the ghosts of the house. Um, and it doesn't seem like, like the ghosts were, because they added the extra, the extra sort of layer with having Hiram Epstein be this scientists you know it wasn't it doesn't seem based off of what i read that it was that the ghosts were mutilated and that kind of stuff it's just interesting how they they took this one character from the book they created two characters from it for the series and they allowed them uh, the the writers allowed us to sort of experience a side of history that uh, isn't necessarily always talked about on mainstream television shows all right before we go out was there anything else that needed that we I just wanted to mention the that um the sneak reference to Emmett Till with, with that oh, little I was boy say that too. Yeah. Mm. The one Bobo. 
when he's like, am I going to enjoy my vacation? And it just goes to no. <laughs> Damn. That's some fucked up shit. But yeah. It was some good shit. Jeffrey, anything? Oh, the, um, oh, what's that man's name? Martin? Like, did y'all catch that? Was that an MLK yeah. reference? Oh, Martin yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Martin Luther King was going to marry the white woman. Yes, yes, yes. That's what I thought. Okay. I, I thought that was good as well. You know, just adding to uh, the time frame of, you know, when this is taking place. Well, that's uh, a true story. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I'm saying the fact that, you know, they're, they're just sort of, it, you know, gossiping about it, I thought was really interesting. And the final scene with Christina was everything. Because I really don't know where Christina's coming from in this. Is she an ally? Is she using them for her own means? Is she a villain? Is she an anti-hero? We don't know. And uh, the writers have played it well. And uh, the actor has played it well as well. Because I find myself really curious as to what Christina's endgame is. And um, her... Her, um, I don't know what you would call it. It wasn't really a threat, but in essence, a threat. Her threat to to tick. It was weird because, like, it, I wasn't sure how to read her reaction. Like, was she um, excited by it? Was she was she fascinated by you know him wanting to kill her? Was she sort of repulsed by it? Like, I I didn't know how to interpret her because she does a facial reaction when she's like, you know you got to be smarter than this. You know, you can't go around killing a white woman. And then she does a face. And I'm like, how am I supposed to interpret that face? So I, I found her really interesting at the end. Okay. I personally see her, of the of the things you listed, as number two and three. Um, I don't remember the is, order. She is self-serving. Okay, yes. And she is no friend of ours. And a chaos agent. Um, I well, I think she is a chaos agent, but I think she's a chaos agent for the sake of what she said at the beginning. You get, I, I can do all of these things, and I can never be a member. You get to be a member just for being born, mm-hmm. a male. Yeah, which makes her more interesting because she's female on the show. I think that she is very much out for herself and is using everyone as pawn. And I think the look at the end, you know, when she said you can't just go around shooting white women, she does need him to smarten up. She needs him to smarten up to get what it is she needs him to get. But she doesn't ever think he's going to surpass her. All right. We got it. Yeah. Um, Vanetta, anything before we... Um, I wanted to say that on my Facebook today... I was um, super excited to find out that one of my artist friends is the illustrator that does the drawings for Little D. Oh! Um, So we see her sketching and we see her little comic book. My friend is the artist that does those. And um, I say she's my friend. I only know her on Facebook, but she's amazing. Her name is well, no, her name is Afua Richardson, and she is one of the um, illustrators for Black Panther. Um, and she's worked for Marvel, and she lives in Atlanta, and she's very awesome. 
creator. Woman of color. And I'm very excited about this. Woman of color. Woman of color. Yes, definitely. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. I I, I just assumed that you knew. <laughs> I assumed, <laughs> because she, but she I worked for Black want, Panther. Yeah, I I'm didn't sorry. want to. Oh, I was. You, when you said she worked for Black Panther, I, I my mind immediately went to the comic book. So yeah, she's um, a woman of color, and um, Afua Richardson is her name. And if you look her up, she's pretty amazing. And I have some of her artwork in my room. I will do that. All right. Uh, we are going to now go and state our MVP of the week. We all know how this goes. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once the character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again. So choose wisely and have lots of backup. All right. Um, Jeffrey, you 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 pole positioned yourself to go first. So who is your MVP for the week? Oh my god. I didn't even know if you were gonna buy it, but you know, I thought maybe you were gonna make me like you're gonna be like you're gonna go last. But I'm I, trying to be nice. That is very kind of you. You are a wonderful human being with a heart and a soul, and that might be me buttering you up because I might want to go first again at some point. <laughs> but I'm saying all truth. Oh my god. I know, right? You're the one that's the the why first yeah, off you know priscilla's going first next week okay, i know but everybody no but can we just say priscilla was the one that requested to go first first and so that's oh, what inspired oh, me okay well there you go but um all right letty motherfucking lewis she was just so good. I mean, Journey Smollett, Belle, did a fantastic job throughout the entire episode. I mean, from the scene in which she's talking about her virginity um, to the scene in which she, her virginity was, uh, was I don't want to say taken away, because taken away always makes it sound like, uh, you know, someone took it. But she, she oh, gave. She, taken it. she gave it. She, she gave it, she yeah. She gave it. Freely and willingly. When she gave her virginity to Tick, uh, her conversation with her sister, uh, just the complex relationship that she has with Ruby was just fascinating. And then for me, the bet, well, no, not the bet, well, yes, the best moment, but let me go to the second best moment. When she was in the cocktail dress, bashing the car windows, a fantastic moment for her, a tour de force performance. But then the best moment of the episode, the exorcism, everything has gone wrong. You know, the, the ghosts are the, 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 um, the main ghost, the, the big bad, um, Epstein is there and she uses all of her power in her system. She uses the ancestors. She says their names. She she has learned their stories. And they all together exercise the house. And we didn't really even fully discuss that, but that was incredibly powerful to watch. It was beautifully acted. The CGI was awesome. I will say the CGI was a little hinky when uh, like the pictures made the face and then the giant face came up although that was very lovecraftian in in how that looked it, it was a little hinky for me but then the cgi that was used to demutilate the black people i thought was beautiful like seeing them just 
go back to themselves as, you know, I guess, you know, at, at the end of this, in essence, they're being exercised as well. They're being allowed to finally be at peace because they are exercising or they're being a part of exercising their tormentor. I, I just thought it was beautifully acted by Journey. And, and I said this on social media, uh, in my opinion, this is the moment that she has to submit. This episode is the one that she has to submit for an Emmy nomination because I feel like she could win with it. It was just stellar work. And I also said this at some point on social media as well. Uh, Journey's reminding me of Regina King. I might have said this on the podcast as well. She reminds me of Regina King, just an actor that always consistently does phenomenal work who gets overlooked by the system, in essence. But then, you know, at one point, you know, all of the, the awards start coming in. You know, a Brinks truck filled with awards will back up into her uh, driveway because she's just always awesome and, and this was a spectacular episode for her all right um vanetta if you pick who you picked last week okay um letitia oh, i'm just joking <laughs> <laughs> that was very cute <laughs> i knew poppy was like what that was adorable I, i'll give you a time uh, for that no i am all, i'm enjoying tick during this right now I think that his character development is slower than Letty's in that you know he's male and he's you know not talking about his stuff as much but his facial um expressions and how he is um showing his torment and his guilt and um just all of the the struggles that he's having that he just is not talking about right now, mm-hmm. I, I like, and I, I think that um, I like his the way his character is, the fact that he goes all the way to the north side just to tell her that you know, hey, I'm gonna be leaving. <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking about this from a logistical standpoint. No, because um, you know what it's like to take that trip without a car you. now or relatively now. Imagine how that was. What, 50 years ago? I can't imagine. And that was at least three buses and a train. And, you know, and then she's like, well, you can, you know, I have an extra room. Oh, okay. Maybe I'll stay for a little bit just to keep an eye on you. And I'm thinking, brother, we can see through your ruse. I just thought it was cute that, you know, this, they, they are showing that even though he, like, did not discuss it with her. That was the only issue that he didn't discuss it with her when they had when he decided that he was going to take her. Um, <laughs> but if she didn't want it, she was the type of person that would have just like, nah, brother, it's not happening. But um, it, I just I just really like his character this week. Okay. okay, Priscilla. I definitely have to give it to Letitia's sister Ruby. Like her scene with her sister where she finds out that she wasn't given half of the inheritance just that sheer like disappointment in her sister and rage but almost the acceptance in the disappointment like you've done it again you fucked up again and like i it, and who's the fuck up not you me for like accepting the fact like for accepting you in my arms again when i should have known better like Oh God! It, it, it's just it's the nuance to it was just so good. Like 
hats off to Wunmi Mosaku. She does a really good job as playing this character. So she really does. And her accent is so good, y'all. Can we also give it up for her accent? Yes, because she's oh, British. Yeah. She's British. That she sounds like a, an she American girl. Like really southern. She, mm-hmm. You know, it's a very flat Midwestern African American accent. Yes. Now, I will just say this as a teaser: she's got a hella interesting storyline coming up. Ooh. She, okay. Her storyline. I am so outside of Hippolyta because Hippolytus is going to be very interesting to see visually. Uh, it's gonna, I think it's going to be visually impressive. But what they're going to do to her, if they do anything close to what they did to her in the book, should be hella interesting. And I feel like we're all going to have opinions on it. Okay. Okay. That's a teaser, y'all. All right. Well, I am going to pick one of the most unlikely characters for my MVP this week. The baby-headed ghost. No, he was a close (laughs) second, though. He was adorable. I am going to pick Tree. Oh. If not for him, we would not have gotten that scene with Letitia and Tip. That's true, because he He, he was an instigator. He lit that fire. I don't know why he told that lie. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, you got his eye on him. And Tree keeps showing up. And I don't know why he's here, but he's here for a reason. He's in this show for a reason. Because Atticus don't fuck with him, but he keeps running up on Atticus. And it's clear that Atticus, if you dropped off the face of the earth tomorrow, I wouldn't even think to look for you. I wouldn't even think you weren't around anymore except to say, suddenly I don't feel as annoyed anymore. But Trey keeps showing up. And keeps running up behind Atticus, and I need to know why. But he got that ball rolling this week, and for that, I thank him for that. All righty, so now we're gonna rate this puppy. You know how it goes. Uh, how would you rate this episode on a scale of one to ten keys? At some point, I guess Jeffrey is going to tell us why we're rating. Um, the point system is allowed. If you found the episode exceptional deserving of more than 10, you may grant it a coveted golden salt. We will go, I guess, in reverse. I got to remember what order I went in. Uh, Priscilla, how are you rating this episode? Man, you were totally right in me. Like, I shouldn't have given the golden to the pilot because I should, because this one deserves the golden. (laughs) It was just my favorite now. Like, it's a plant. (laughs) the pilot as my favorite because just god it gave me everything I wanted it gave me pathos it gave me little hints towards history it gave me the racism that made my blood boil but it also gave me passion and it gave me the mystery and the mayhem and it even gave me a little bit of intrigue at the very end to keep me guessing as to what's going to happen next so this episode was everything. Totally a golden key. All right. So that's two gold. All right, Vanetta? Um, I'm going to give it a solid eight. Okay. Um, it didn't have to scare me like that. We've already talked about this. Yes. It was an asshole for that. 
I enjoyed the storyline. I just, ugh. yeah, so many. So and we're going to make sure that you never get frightened like that by this show ever. Okay. Okay. Jeffrey? Oh, a golden key. I mean, come on. It was amazing. It was spectacular. I have no shame in giving the, the, the pilot a golden key, unlike Priscilla. But because uh, they could be both equally golden, because they were both fantastic. But yeah, this was just a stellar episode. Very rewatchable. Everything from beginning to end was spectacular. And I do love a haunted house story. Uh, so that was uh, was was good too. The there were some good uh, spooky elements. So uh, golden well, key for me. Clearly, what you got a whole spooky house. Yes, with a basement. Uh, oh yeah. Subterranean. Well, the 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 opening picture with the house and the whole roots under the house. I think that's probably how that actually looks. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go back and look at the opening graphic when the show opens. Yeah. All right. I am going to award this episode ten golden ten keys. Sorry, ten keys, not golden keys. Ten keys. I was going to give it my nine, but it caused me to recognize that my grandmother was a pioneer. It allowed me to do some research. So I had to up it one to ten in honor of Jeanette Lois LeMay. And uh, with that, that will end this week's journey into Lovecraft Country. Here is our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for Greetings from Lovecraft Country and subscribe. Thank you, announcer. All right, my co-hosts, please wish our listeners a good night. Vanetta. Good night, y'all. Priscilla. Good night, everybody. Jeffrey. Good night, listeners. Be safe in your travels. Wear a mask, please. And uh, feel free to chat with your uh, neighborhood ghosts. You might learn something. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of Greetings from Lovecraft Country every Wednesday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chulo Radio Archives. This is Derek Anthony. Wishing you a good night.